Good afternoon, everybody. Joe Beaumont here for the Tacoma Historical Society, and I've got another Grit City story. Today I'm joined by Kathy Runica, the self-appointed historian of Brown and Haley. You may know them for Almond Roca. She's also the director of marketing. How are you doing today, Kathy? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this, uh, you know, traditionally sunny, and by that I mean completely gray day over uh, Tacoma. <laughs> it, it looks like a, a typical March day. <laughs> so it goes. So it goes. But you know what makes these gray days better? Uh, some delicious candy, which is what we are here to talk about this this amazing day. So what 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 is the deal with Brown and Haley? I've heard of you know just moving here. I've heard of like candy wars. I've heard of crazy things that went down with the company. Like what? Can, where does it start? What happens? So, you know, it's a, it's an amazing story of two, two individuals who had two unique skill sets uh, coming together and creating some amazing things and being able to have those amazing things last multi-generational. For me, I am also Brown and Haley multi-generational <laughs> in, in a fashion. Uh, okay. My grandfather loved almond broca and mm -hmm. always had it um, and every tin uh, became some sort of container out in the garage <laughs> to hold nuts and bolts pretty um, sure that's every household and then <laughs> it, either buttons or nuts and bolts, you know that's what it was so um and then my mother was the president of the washington school food service association for many years and she would travel to different conferences and she would always take almond broca with her and people wouldn't always remember her name but would remember that she brought almond broca so she would yes. say oh you're the almond broca <laughs> and then 15 years ago i came to brown and Haley and i interviewed and uh three hours into my interview they were very aware of my self-appointed title of uh, company <laughs> historian and then um Recently, in the last couple of years, my my daughter has begun working here as well. She um, she works in our little outlet stores oh, uh, over awesome. in Tacoma. So, yeah, so for me, it's it's much more than just almond broca. There's so much history within my family, and then the history of Brown and Healy itself is an amazing story, a huge journey. I mean. If you think about it, uh, you know, we're a 110-year-old company. Oh, wow. And uh, we've survived multiple pandemics, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of world wars. And um, some of those things have actually helped us to expand our business or even, you know, become a stronger company. So oh. it's, it's an amazing and rich story that we have. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to, you know, start at the beginning of all that. Uh, I mean, just hearing that you guys grew out of these trials and tragedies and have lasted over a century, that's that's like almost as long as the city. So how, how, did, right, they, how right. did these two decide, you know, Tacoma was a good candy spot? <laughs> well, uh, J.C. Haley and Harry Brown mm -hmm. both had their own careers. Okay. Uh, Harry Brown was candy maker. He was a confectionery master before they even met. And he had products and was selling them. And J.C. Haley was a businessman. He was a spice salesman. Mm -hmm. And um, they went to the same church and they met at church and they started talking and they said, hey, you know what, if we join forces, you, you know, you have these great ideas and I understand what consumers need and, you know, how to get out and expand. And so they joined forces in 1912. And at the time, every region had a confection house because we couldn't 
transport chocolate across uh, the country. Makes you sense. know, you think about this, but every area had a confection house that made everything. So mm-hmm. Brown and Haley made candy canes and butterscotch drops and a myriad of candy bars and uh, everything. And if you think today, fast forward to today, you think about a chocolate bar for a s'more and you think you're going to the store to find a chocolate bar for a s'more. There's really only one plain chocolate bar unless you get into some premium chocolates yeah. you know yeah. where you're going, going to buy like a lid excellent bar or something <laughs> like that there's a Hershey bar mm-hmm. and that's a that's actually a more modern idea of being <laughs> able to have you know these mass brands but before it was your area and and for the Pacific Northwest Brown and Haley was the confection house yeah um, uh, and that was because of J.C. Haley and Harry Brown's combination. They became became the confection uh, supplier for the entire area. And um, that started in this small little building that is now under where the May uh, <laughs> Museum was. Um, and so that's where they, they started. And then in 1918, they bought the plant that we're in now. Okay. And that was a boot plant. Oh, wow. That was built somewhere between 1880 and 1890. And in the time that we bought it, 1980 till today, there has been seven additions to that building <laughs> and countless retrofitting. Uh, but I thought, I hope this retrofitting. <laughs> lots of retrofitting. Uh, but there is still, the, the original building is still standing there. It's just mm. been added onto and there is still original brick and there's still original wood beams from that building from back in the 1880s, oh, 1890s. That's, that's awesome to have is, that tie back there. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty amazing story. You know, not only have we lasted the time, but so has the building and it, it's been, you know, it's been trials for the building as well. It's, <laughs> uh, in the seventies, a, a train derailed into it. And <laughs> Um, Just casual. If we go back, yeah, if we go back to uh, Harry Brown and J.C. Haley, um, the one of the candies that we still make now that was the earliest is the Mountain Bar. Ah. And so the Mountain Bar, originally the Mount Tacoma Bar, mm-hmm. um, was created in 1915 mm-hmm. and is still sold today. It was not long after uh, that we changed it to the mountain bar, and we actually own the registered trademark for the word mountain. Wow. Um, That would not be possible today, but back in uh, the early 1900s, uh, we applied for it, and we got it. Um, There you go. So it's a a very nice little legacy to have. (laughs) And so uh, on on the regards to the mountain bar, I'm a relatively new citizen here, you know, in the Washington area. Um, apparently there's a lot of, a lot of push and shove about whether it's everyone's favorite or everyone's, you know, least favorite Brown and Haley. There's really no middle ground. Can you speak to there that? Is, there <laughs> is no middle ground, right? Um, well, um, I'll have to say that I grew up, obviously I've, I've shared with you my history mm-hmm. with the company, but, um, uh, I'm the last of six kids. And when we would take uh, a, a trip to the little store in Tacoma, each of us kids got to take something. And mm-hmm. I always picked 
the factory seconds at the time it was a tub. Now we sell them in pouches, but yeah. it was a factory second tub of cherry mountain bars. Oh, that sounds and amazing. And it's still <laughs> of of the mountain bars. It is still my favorite one. Okay. Um, I I have just caused a huge issue on your show because everybody's going to say no. It's peanut butter. I say, um, I'm, I'm I'm a peanut butter guy. I'm just saying, but I'll forgive you. And then the other half <laughs> of the room will say no. She's right. It's, it's, it's cherry. Um, <laughs> But yes, um, there is, you know, it, and it's, it's this, it's, you know, it comes out of this, we were a confection house and we mm-hmm. made everything for any consumer. And the mountain bar is a product that is definitely built and created for a different consumer than what almond rocket is made for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think about that, it's uh, the, the mountain bar is a traditional kind of candy bar. Where almond roca is this kind of premium, delectable toffee, yes. individually wrapped in gold foil. <laughs> it, it, they're totally different uh, experiences, and they're totally different products. I absolutely can say that you know the mountain bar is a regional favorite. Mm-hmm. You move outside of Washington, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Northern California, people are like, what's a mountain bar? <laughs> <laughs> um, the same way they kind of do with Idaho Spud or yeah. uh, Big Cherry or one of those, mm-hmm. you know, nostalgia candies. Um, and, uh, and I mean, we had hundreds of others, but the Mountain Bar survived. And I think that says a lot about that product. Okay. Um, it was created back in 1915, and here it is, 2022. <laughs> And we're still selling that product. Uh, um, some people will say it's different. Um, and yeah, it is different. They used to be handmade. You know, <laughs> the little fondant centers were scooped and they looked like a big mountain. And now they're made on a piece of equipment that makes them look a little more like Mount St. Helens. You know, a little, a little, a and then people will also say, oh, they're, they've gotten smaller. And what's funny about that statement, if you could, we have an archive of all the packaging, you go back oh, to wow. the bar, cool. and the original ones were 1.2 ounces. Mm-hmm. And the ones we make today are 1.6 ounces. And I like to tell people who say they're smaller than they used to be. I said, no, your hands were smaller. <laughs> you, you've grown up loving this candy. And so, you know, because I remember I, I would hold them with two hands, this tub of factory second cherry mountain bars. I would hold one with two hands. And um, and now, yeah, it fits in the palm of my hand now, you know. So, That's uh, like a director of marketing. Yeah, you made so, that sound so poetic. Yeah, <laughs> hand is smaller than the product is not but um it definitely looks different and we did have to make one change to the product over the years all chocolates are, are made of a lot of different things and mm. the old product had trans fats in it uh, yeah. and in the united states uh, no trans fats you know it's no trans fats of a, of a certain percentage and then you list so the only thing that changed is is we removed the trans fat and replaced it with a, a, a different uh uh, fat butter systems. Okay. The, the, and but people will say like this is this is different, and those are the people who really knew the product <laughs> because in the '90s we did have to switch and, and move away from those trans fat yeah. chocolates. So. Yeah. Oh, well. But other than that, that product is uh, phenomenal. Um, you can't find it everywhere, so it is our number one selling item oh, wow. on all of our e-commerce platforms by okay. far. 
And we sell a lot of them in the southern states. And I'm fairly certain it's folks who have become snowbirds or who are uh, left left these beautiful March days in, in our area to go to sunnier places, maybe. But, uh, but snowbirds from here. It never gets cold here, but I'm a you know New Englander, so I have different definition yeah. I'm finding. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but so, you know, we fast forward mm-hmm. um, from the mountain bar yes. to 1923. Okay. And Harry Brown in this crazy copper kettle, these toffees, uh, English toffees, which, you know, is kind of this uh, mistitling. It's like French fries, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily English toffee, but that's what we call it. Okay. Um, and the traditional method for making English toffee was, is you made it, you poured it out. You could put chocolate nuts on it, but then you would hand break it into these chunks and you just put it in a, a box or a tin and you'd sell it that way. And it was, you know, Lots of crumbs, lots of bits, lots of mm. pieces everywhere. And it was more like a brittle. Okay. And then this, this amazing man, Harry Brown, said, <laughs> I have an idea. And so he, um, he took the idea of how people would make caramel squares yep. and said, can I apply this to toffee? And so we actually have the original kettle that was created. In. It oh, sits cool. in our five our five-store kettle, and it's, it's all tented up, and it, it's great. It's really great. It sits right next to Harry Brown's desk that is also in, in the, the space. But he created this item, and he slabbed it out, and then he took uh, cutting wheels that you would use to cut caramel, mm-hmm. and before the toffee got too cold, he cut it into these ribbons and then into these batons. Mm-hmm. And then... He coated the entire thing in chocolate and then coated that in almonds to keep, you know, kind of the almonds stuck and you get more almonds this way. And what he always did with his confections when he created them was he would take them around town (laughs) and he would share them with people and say, what do you think? This was his method. And again, before his time because there wasn't really consumer test studies yeah. being done back <laughs> in the 20s I mean maybe but not not to any extent but he would take it around town and he'd go into the bank and he would go in you know on his errands and things like that and he took this product into the library and there was a librarian librarian there named Jacqueline Noel mm-hmm. and he let her try it she goes this is amazing and uh, he goes what would you call it and without missing a beat, she says, almond rica. Because hmm. at the time, almonds predominantly came from Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they predominantly come from California. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they came from Spain at that time. And the word roca in Spanish is the word rock. And uh, hard candies at the time were rock candies. Okay. And so almond rock or <laughs> almond roca uh, became the name. And we are so thankful to Jacqueline Noel and to all the the people who worked on this project back in 1923 because the word roca ended up being meaning more than rock in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, our second largest selling uh, location for almond roca is Pija. Oh, okay. And um, the word roca in Cantonese the symbol for ro 
is happy. Yeah. It's called it's family. So <laughs> roca means happy family in the in the Cantonese symbols. So um, did Jacqueline Noel know that back in 1923? <laughs> um, probably not. But um, you know we're so we're so happy with how it has turned yeah, out. Say, that is such a serendipitous, uh, amazing name. Very much so. <laughs> so much so, yes. Um, and we find that the term roca actually has kind of become, uh, you know, the generic name for toffees, especially mm-hmm. almond toffees. And so it is a constant effort, um, as it is with companies like Kleenex or Band-Aid, <laughs> uh, to, to let people know that, no, Band-Aid is ours, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Kleenex is ours, you know, the generic term is facial tissue, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but uh, uh, we find constantly that people use the term Roca for toffee products. So it is. It is a, a bit of an effort to hold on to um, to that legacy and, and that um, piece. We also coined the term buttercrunch. Oh yeah. Um, one word, buttercrunch, <laughs> um, and that one we let anybody use uh, because it, it so well describes what uh, a toffee that's made with actual butter mm-hmm. is. Um, there is a big difference between you know, your standard um, mass-produced toffees that are made with vegetable oils or um, other fat systems other than just pure butter Um, and ones that are using corn syrup versus sugar. Um, There's a different texture, there's a different taste, but we're all kind of categorized as toffee. Um, But there is a huge difference. Um, It's amazing because... If you taste almond roca versus any other toffee that's on the market, there's a lot of really good ones out there. There's always this one distinct thing that's different, which is we can have a really thick piece, mm-hmm. uh, you know, almost a half inch thick, and when you bite through it, it pops apart. It actually cracks apart, yeah. and um, that was the secret that Harry Brown created when he was cooking it in the kettle. He okay. found this one step in the cooking process <laughs> that would allow us to do that. And so because of that, we still produce one kettle at a time. Oh, that's incredible. Now, we have a lot of kettles. <laughs> we have a lot of kettles to keep up with demand. Today, um, today we actually have uh, a new line. It was installed in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were down for six weeks, the plant was, and they craned all the new equipment into our building. And we are producing over 3 million pieces of broca every single day. That's in insane, especially having, you know, driven past the building. I can't imagine millions of something coming out every day. <laughs> Three, over three million pieces of broca, and that's only one of many lines that we have in our, our facility. We only have one line in the entire world that makes almond broca, huh. and almond is sold in over sixty-five countries. Dang, that is that is impressive. So, impressive. Yeah, yeah, and every piece comes right out of Tacoma. So you know, it's it's pretty amazing that this idea of making something in this little copper kettle back yeah. in 1923 you fast forward um you know next year will be the 100 years of almond broca <laughs> and we're making over three million pieces every day and half of that is being shipped That's to it. other countries so, outside 
So you guys just celebrated, you know, 110 years in general, and you're about to celebrate 100 years for Almond Roca. Do you guys just have, like, a big birthday bash for every candy that comes off the line at this point? Because we're about that. It is is a bit of a daily celebration, for sure. Um, But yeah, um, you know, it's so funny. There's because of the longevity of the company, there is constantly celebrations. You know, it is it is a bit humorous. Um, you're so much like a family. Yeah. Um, all of us who work here, um, there's birthday parties every month. You know, mm-hmm. like you <laughs> really do. It's uh, you think about you know the the Willy Wonka, yeah. right? <laughs> and um, there is so much truth to that kind of happiness that's mm-hmm. happening uh, in our facilities. It's um, it's fun. It, it's, you know, uh, pun intended, it is a very sweet job to have. <laughs> and, um, you know, the perks, uh, you can eat. Uh, you can eat what you make, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it's, it's fantastic. Oh, that, that, that sounds great. Um, so, yeah, you guys, you know, company was born, you make it through, a world war, a pandemic, Great Depression, and then does like World War Two kind of kickstart you, or like how's 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 that work? That act, you think about these sixty-five plus countries that you yeah. find Almond Roca in, and that yeah. happened because of World War Two. Oh yeah. So during World War Two, mm-hmm. uh, we're very well placed. It's like the word Roca. You know, <laughs> it's kind of you know being uh, lucky, um, uh, but being smart about that luck. Yeah. Um, we're close to the naval base. We're close to, you know, the military bases right here. And we always kind of supported them. And Harry Brown and J.C. Haley were constantly, um, uh, first and foremost, providing service to the community was, mm-hmm. was the objective. And um, so we had very good relationships already with um, the commissary kind of uh. businesses that based. And World War II hit. And... We were sending ships overseas, and we were the first company in 1928 to put candy into a sealed tin. So they were doing it with vegetables and meat. They were putting a tin, and there happened to be a tinning facility really close to our plant. Mm -hmm. And so we said, what if we put our candy in there? What would happen? (laughs) So they did. And um, what that meant was, is during World War II, our candy could ship and not have any worries about um, spoilage, mm-hmm. infestation, damage. And so we ended up with a military contract to make almond roca for our militaries. Okay. Um, and... At that time, a lot of people were having sugar rations and butter rations, yeah. and that's the two large components of almond <laughs> Just a little bit. We had government contracts for those ingredients, which helped us survive through this, you know, very uh, tragic time in history. Mm-hmm. But um, what ended up happening was is that soldiers had these tins of of candy that they were taking with them and they used some for morale you know some for self-consumption yeah uh, but a large part of them were used as barter mm. so they would land in china and they would trade almond roca canisters for meat yeah fruit cheese vegetables these perishable yeah. things that couldn't travel um and um 
it was during that time that uh, a tagline got uh, given to us that was the candy that travels. And um, the people of Asia were now exposed to this confection. Yep. And they loved it and they wanted it post-war. Mm-hmm. And so we started exporting to Asia. Um, so our first exporters were our military soldiers. <laughs> and it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And um, it's, it's amazing. Um, our biggest holiday is Christmas. Mm-hmm. And our second largest holiday is Lunar New Year. Oh, um, interesting. And um, unfortunately for us, they all ship at the same time. Because <laughs> if you're shipping... You're shipping for December shipments in the U.S. You're you're shipping around uh, October, you know, September. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're shipping for Lunar New Year over in Asia, that's happening in January, February. It takes an extra four to six weeks yeah. to get there. So you're shipping the same exact time. So we definitely have a very very busy shipping season. Yeah, it's a uh, around crazy time of year for fall, fall for you guys. Yeah. Yes. Um. But you know, it's it's an amazing um, it's an amazing story to think, you know, that that period of time uh, during during the forties, um, we had this huge uh, push, and then it's shortly thereafter that um, uh, the company is, you know, J.C. Haley and Harry Brown mm-hmm. are of an age that they're thinking about retiring and handing the company down and how do you do that right now you have multiple descendants Mm -hmm. and uh, two families and and how to do that and uh, they had uh, a clause in their original articles of Mm incorporation that um, one could buy out the other okay and um, i think it was you know it was a sad day for both sides (laughs) because it was this you know, dissolving of this partnership that had lasted this many decades up to yeah. that point in time. So the it ended up there was some back and forth and whatnot, but it ended up that the uh, J.C. Haley bought out Harry Brown. Okay. Um, and um, I think it's important to note because th- there's a lot of stories of like you know. Uh, is there bad blood? Is there that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at every single piece of packaging that we have, mm-hmm. every single piece of packaging we have says brown. That's fair. And um, a few years back, um, the Brown family came to our facility for a family reunion, and <laughs> we toured we toured toured the warehouse, and they shared amazing stories. Some of them of when they were kids and yeah. playing at the factory. <laughs> And, and, the you best know, playground um, ever. Right. And and then I think it's really, really important to understand that both J.C. Haley and Harry Brown had this kind of idea of, like, community first and service first and mm-hmm. take care of your um, your employees. And um, we have a, a motto that we say now, which is do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems very generic, but we apply it to everything we do. So, um you know, we just launched a whole new line of Roka products. Yeah. And when we're launching that new line of products, we say to ourselves, okay, what can we do? What what can we do with this product that is is more? And, you know, Harry 
Brown and J.C. Haley, they've helped with war efforts and they um, uh, sponsored school, uh, you know, improvements. Um, they helped with the PLU library when yeah. the PLU library took place. And every year they oh, cool. meet on that and they reach out to us and want mountain bars yeah. because they all got, all the students who helped to carry books over got mountain bars. Right? <laughs> uh, to help them do that way yeah. back when. And so we recreate that each year for the celebration and, and, and try and get the mountain bars for it. But the new product, you know, the world is much smaller now. Mm -hmm. uh, than it was back in the 40s. And so uh, one of the things that we decided to do was look at ways that we could, with the products that we make, how can we do more? And so we partnered, um, the new product is Roca Bites, mm -hmm. which is identical to Almond Roca, but it's smaller. It's a bite size. There's not that foil wrap. You can eat it while you're, you know, running errands and things like <laughs> that because we're all so busy now, you know, that yeah. it's, um, you know, Almond Roca is really that, traditional celebratory sharing kind of product and this is really you know that i'm busy but i still want my <laughs> you know kind of thing um, little celebrations so throughout we, the day yeah little celebrations every every moment um but we um we partner with coco horizons mm. and they're a independent organization that actually has boots on the ground in cocoa farming communities in mm. West Africa, like Ghana and places like that. It, um, what they do is they go in and they help those cocoa farmers to get better yields okay. out of their crops. They show them and train them how to cultivate the land, how to expand their crops, how mm. to not just rely on cocoa only for the stability of their communities, because these communities definitely run uh, in a symbiotic nature where, yeah. like, you know, they all rely on each other to uh, have the, the village or the community um, eat, you yeah. know, uh, to have water, you know. Um, and so um, what happens is, is if um, a cocoa farmer decides that he wants to take this education, he can do that. He can still sell his cocoa beans to anybody he wants. But if he, if he follows the rules um, that are laid out, the guidelines that are set out by Cocoa Horizons, he can then sell his cocoa beans for more money. Okay. Which then That's means cool. that uh, for the amount that he's getting that he's producing, he can bring more income in. And those guidelines are, is that they cannot expand into rainforest. Mm -hmm. So they can't take down rainforest to expand their crops. Instead, they're given tools and skills so that they can double or even triple the crops that they currently have by not damaging wow. their trees and That's being given tools that allow them to harvest yeah. in a way that gets them more uh, cocoa pots. They cannot have child or slave labor. Very good which, thing. Which, you know, that's that's a very good thing. But, you know, there's always that question of like, well, you know, how how do we balance that? Does these communities rely so heavily on those kinds of things? And it's that symbiotic, don't just make cocoa. Uh, expand what you're doing into other things. So Cocoa mm -hmm. Horizons, although the name sounds like Cocoa Horizons, it's more than just producing cocoa. It's yeah. helping these communities diversify. Mm -hmm. So if the weather is bad one year mm -hmm. and the, the yield is small, they have other sources of income. So it's definitely working mm -hmm. 
in each community and determining what resources they have and how best to improve um, the chances of that community mm-hmm. surviving through a bad season or um, you know, providing opportunities for children or even adults to further their education. Mm-hmm. Um, those, all of those things are part of the Cocoa Horizons program. And so we, um, every bag that we produce has a certain amount of chocolate in it. And that chocolate um, has a certain percentage that is going directly to those cocoa farmers. And so there's a lot of other things you can do out there. You can get fair trade. You can do um, a lot of these um, certifications. Mm -hmm. But the thing with Cocoa Horizons is is when we ask the question, uh, you know, do the right thing, are we doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. This one directly goes to those communities, which is exactly what Harry Brown and J.C. Haley talked about, you know, is help the community. If the community is strong, we will be strong. Yeah. And like I said, the world is much smaller now. So our community is beyond um, beyond our state, it's yeah. beyond our country, you know. So um, we're very proud of that. And, you know, it's another thing is that the new packaging has a lot of little call outs on them, too. And um, one of them is gluten free. (laughs) (laughs) You made almond roca gluten free. And I'm like, well, it's been gluten free since 1923. So it's another one of those things that it's uh, we were ahead of our time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a part of Tacoma. You know, we've had conversations in the past of like do we move out of Tacoma Mm -hmm. you know do we go to these places we're in a really good location the port of Tacoma is so close yeah you know uh that we have the ability to ship you know half of our our products made here in Tacoma to other countries and bring revenue into our country from other you know other countries so um all of these little things it has taken us 110 years to get to this point, but yeah. it, it, it's one of those things that we're constantly evolving, but also staying in check to the root purpose, mm-hmm. which is you know, do the right thing. Um, could we change Roca and make it cheaper? Yeah, we could put corn syrup and soda sugar. Will we? No. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it, we are brand stewards at this point in time. It's lived. Mm-hmm generations before yeah. us and it will live generations after us and so we better not mess with it that's, that's kind of the way that we look at it that's, that's so. an awesome anchor to have <laughs> awesome you yeah. know credentials yeah. to rely on just a century of work yeah you know it's it's taken us a little bit of time but you, know, you work <laughs> at it when you can get there so so you kind of covered the initial days the absolute boom of the company and just kind of the like way ahead is there any you know i'll say comedic or quirky anecdotes you have about the company that you know you can publicly release there's a lot are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh comedic oh boy well you know we have uh we have created some weird things uh, that never have hit market before there Mm -hmm. is some some really fun ones that we we have tried um we tried an orange roca okay um that was an interesting one so if you think of like um the orange sticks covered in chocolate. So yeah. we said, hey, could we do that to Roca? Uh, we've tried a sesame Roca. Hmm. Um, also very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
it, not all ingredients are created equal. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I would I would say probably one of the the funnest little details um, that I love to share with people is our little store over in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. You know, that little tiny round candy store yeah. that um, has a history all on its own. Okay. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that that was a ticket and souvenir booth at the World's Fair oh, in Seattle. That's so cool. Yeah. So there was two of them. And mm-hmm. we purchased one when the World's Fair was over and it got put on a truck and mm-hmm. moved down to Seattle <laughs> and placed in its spot. And yeah. Then we bought this big Roka tin and put it on the top and it <laughs> around. But when they were filming, it happened at the World's Fair with Elvis Presley. Yeah. They had to have a place for him to have his green room, take his breaks, etc. So they converted that little store, at the time the ticket booth, into a green room okay. that Elvis Presley used <laughs> while he was filming there. So we have a, a, a cute little thing that we say, Elvis was in the building. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, Obviously, you know, uh, it's been many years since the World's Fair, and mm-hmm. that little store, the amount of traffic that has come through that little store in all those years, and um, uh, it's where I went when I was a kid to get <laughs> my little cup of Cherry Mountain Bars. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the building has history, the product has history, even our little store has history. Yeah. So that's That's awesome. I would say we could sit here for another three hours talking about <laughs> what we refer to as rogue stories. Um, it doesn't matter where I go or who I talk to. Um, I am always amazed by the willingness of people to share their stories mm-hmm. of their experiences, their traditions, their memories of our product and how far back it goes. It really is an honor for me to get to share um, these stories with, you know, uh, folks like you, mm-hmm. um, so that you can share them with other people as well. But uh, it really is, it's, I love my job yeah. and there is uh, it, not too many people in this world who, who can say that, but every morning I get up and I look forward. Some days are harder than other days. Uh, but I work for a 110 year old candy company that makes a product that is internationally known and um and we're still homegrown we still have that small business mentality and uh, we also like to say that we take the words tacoma washington uh more places than anybody else (laughs) because it's printed on every single thing we produce giving giving a much sweeter sound to tacoma yeah no maybe i'll I'll take a pump (laughs) cool thank you very much for your time my list isn't out there that was kathy renica the historian self-appointed but we'll we'll say it's real after this (laughs) of brown and haley and director of marketing and for those of you who don't know that is company is just a legacy of support, not just locally in Tacoma, but around the globe with great taste, I might add. <laughs> and we think so. Of course, of course. So Kathy, again, thank you for your time today. Thank you. And I'm Joe Boma. That was another Grit City story.